Good evening, brothers and sisters. May God bless you all. Amen. We have to give thanks to this wonderful and mighty God who deserves all praise and glory. We thank the Lord for his blessings. Blessed is our God. Glory to the Lord. We're going to pray to our Heavenly Father so that in this evening, the Lord, as he continuously has done, for him to visit us with his Holy Spirit. And for that, we have to set our hearts, we're going to set our souls, and truly we're going to sing, but we're going to sing with all our what? Our heart. May the reading of the Bible be for our Lord and for the preaching, hopefully. Hopefully we'll be able to because God is the same God as yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Hopefully we'll be able to live what is written in the Bible this evening that the Holy Spirit descend upon us as his word is being preached. May it be so, may it be so for God to visit us with his presence. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, glorious King, God of heaven, marvelous Lord, eternal God of glory, blessed and glorified is your holy name forever and ever. Your mercy and faithfulness is great and mighty. Your love is great and mighty. Your mercy is infinite and wonderful. We thank you, O Lord, for your kindness, for your power, for your presence. We thank you, O Lord, because you have allowed us to enjoy of a pure and complete gospel of what our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and creator of faith, brought to us. And we, Lord, are blessed Lord, we are so full of your goodness and kindness and mercy. So we thank you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your perfect and mighty works. We thank you for your spiritual gifts, the change in our life, the peace, the joy, the transformation in our being. We thank you for the miracles, for the marvels, for the wonders, O oh Lord. We thank you. We thank you for your kindness, for your infinite kindness. We thank you. And tonight, we're going to praise you. We're going to bless you. We're going to exalt you. We're going to extol you. We're going to glorify you. Lord, we will sing to you with our souls and our hearts, and we will read your word for you to praise you. Manifest yourself, and may your word reach our hearts. May we be delivered, and as your word is being preached, May your Holy Spirit descend with your power, and may the Holy Spirit fill us with your presence. Bless the entire church, all of those who are here present with us, so that we may bless and glorify you. We ask you all this and express this all to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may take a seat, brothers and sisters. We're going to glorify the God Most High by praising him with a hymn, hymn 195, The Samaritan Woman, hymn 195.
Beautiful song, hallelujah, glory to our Lord. Singing to the Lord Jesus Christ, for He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is that spring of living water that springs forth for eternal life, in which God, in these times, has allowed us to participate by His mercy. Glory to the Lord. We're going to now stand, brothers and sisters. We're going to sing a chorus for our God. Chorus 161. But let us sing to the Lord as He deserves, with all our being, with all our heart. Let us praise and glorify His holy name. Chorus 161, I want to sing. I want to sing with my heart a new song about He who gave salvation free. About him who has changed even me He is Jesus, my friend He is Jesus, my friend He is God, He is King He is love, He is truth Just in peace I found peace, perfect peace 
that one sees just in him. I found joy, I am happy in him. I want to sing with my heart a new song about him, the life that through the way. I want to sing with my heart a new song about him who was my sins away. He is Jesus, my friend. He is Jesus, my friend. He is God. He is King. He is love. He is truth. Just in Him, I found peace, perfect peace that won't cease. Just in Him, I found joy. I am happy. Who gives the honor and glory to the Lord? Glory to God. The Lord is great and mighty. The day that we have long awaited, that has been announced by the Lord. He has spoken to us through prophecy and He has shown it to us through dreams. Our sister Maria Luisa here with us tonight. Good evening. May the Lord bless you all greatly, brothers and sisters. We give thanks to the Lord because once again we are here Amen. together. Amen. We are partaking in Amen. God's presence, in His blessings, His mercy, His miracles, everything that He does. Amen. Well, I am finding out that God is manifesting Himself Amen. in all of the churches. And... And God is using many brothers and sisters. God is using them very much. And God is working many miracles and healing and doing many wonderful things in the churches where there are many brothers and sisters visiting because there are brothers and sisters who are longstanding, mature in the things of the Lord, dedicated, who are visiting different places specifically in Colombia, and people tell me that God uses them and that God has healed many, which is the beautiful thing about this. And just as it says in the Acts of the Apostles, the apostles narrating their experiences with the Lord, and the Apostle Paul said that we ought to visit a church, but we ought to bring and demonstrate God's power. So he said, the gospel, when I go to a place, I ought to show the Spirit of God. He would tell all of those who were enemies of the gospel, enemies of the word of the Lord. And the apostle would say, I go in demonstration of the power of God with a demonstration of the Spirit of God. It isn't just to preach or to speak in our church, but we ought to demonstrate it. And how do we demonstrate this? When you lay hands upon someone who is sick, who is spiritually tied down, and God works the miracle within the person and heals them. And so you say, the Spirit of God manifests itself, and here I am showing that I have of God because the Spirit of God is manifesting among people. And that is what is beautiful. Very well, brothers and sisters, you may be seated. And now we are going to begin our Bible study since during the pandemic, 
It was impossible. Although we lived very happy moments with God during the pandemic, very beautiful experiences. I felt so close to all of the brothers and sisters. From the camera, I would look at the camera and I would say, behind that camera, all of the brothers and sisters are there listening to the things of God, listening to the word. And that filled me with joy. That gave me so much motivation. And I did not feel alone. I did not feel as though I was alone. In the beginning, we were a small group of about 10 or 12 people. But I knew that behind that camera, there were thousands. And thanks be to God, well, we, or at least I, do the job with all of my heart. And I trust and I know and I believe that God is there and that the Lord is working miracles and acting upon each heart and each life. Well, I tell you that there was a time where we were reading Psalms, one Psalm after the other, consecutively, we were reading Psalms. Do you remember what Psalm we left off on about five years ago? (laughs) About five years ago, I think, We were reading all of the Psalms and then so many things happened and the pandemic came and everything was left suspended. Do you remember? Who remembers? Well, you don't remember, but I remember. (laughs) So we are going to continue with Psalm 69. There are some Psalms that are very long. And well, I will be perhaps reading half of them. But today... I am going to read Psalm 69, which is what I have here. And what do you think about this? I've had this page folded down for about five years. The page has been folded down and I would see this and I'd say, this is where we were and Psalm 69. So we are going to delight ourselves in the reading of this Psalm and we are going to honor the Lord. But before I want to greet, since this Bible study is going to go to all of the churches In over 60 countries, we are going to greet all of the brothers and sisters and all of the churches in different parts of the world. May God bless you all. And here in the Church of Hialeah, Florida, United States, they love you very much. So a very warm greeting to all of you. And are we ready with Psalm 69, brothers and sisters? We will read and then we will have questions. So Psalm 69 says the following. It says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Here... Our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. He is the one who is expressing these words to the Heavenly Father. And in verse 3, he says, I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, he preached and taught And people did not believe him. 
His brothers, the Jews, did not believe him. They became enemies of the Lord. And they persecuted him. And they did many evil things or committed many evil things against him. And that is why Psalms are the biography, the experience of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was on earth. And when he became the spokesperson for the people, he became the spokesperson for the believers of the people of God, of the righteous one, he who trusted and sought God, the Lord spoke for us and presented himself before the Father, and he came before him as us. That is why in Psalms we find so many words and things where people say, who could this Psalm be speaking of? To which character? Which person? And we now know that the Lord would become the spokesperson for us. He took flesh and became a human being and he behaved as one. And so either way, the Lord always presented our weaknesses, our flaws of the people of the Lord, and he would present them before God for him to forgive. He would come to him as the sinner, as the wicked one. That is why he was sacrificed on the cross because those at the time who would hang on a cross were people who were evil, who were criminals. And that was the highest penalty that they had was to die on a cross. And the Lord Jesus Christ was accused that he had committed so many offenses and that is why he had to die on the cross. But the Lord knew that he needed to die because he was dying for all humankind and all of those who would convert to God and that they had failed God or will fail God and the Lord Jesus Christ died for all of them. That is why he died as the greatest criminal that could have existed among human beings. That is why he suffered on the cross of Calvary. And in this way, we see that the Lord here in Psalms and the Holy Spirit speaks of all of those bitter experiences that he lived. But there are also many Psalms where God magnified the Lord and magnified the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the believers, his followers. Therefore, we ought to read Psalms and to understand it in this way. And here in verse four, it says, it talks about his suffering. He says, those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. Oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel, because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, in other words, with the Jews, because the Lord came from the Jews and an alien to my mother's children. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up. 
and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. So the Lord was saying that he had zeal for all the things of God and that zeal had eaten him up so much and consumed him. That is why the Lord suffered persecution. Hate and everything that has come against him all because the Lord preached the new method of salvation, preached the pure gospel, preached that there was one way only to attain eternal life or to reach God. And that way was him. And that was the greatest sin that according to the Jews at that time thought that he had committed. And here in verse 10, it says, When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garment. I became a byword to them. Those who sit in the gate speak against me, and I am the song of the drunkards. They criticized the Lord very much. They spoke badly about him when he was crucified. They would say, if you are God, if you're Christ, if you have so much power, then save yourself. Prophesy about yourself. Well, they would say many things. And that is what this psalm is referring to. Verse 13. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. The Lord was suffering. He was suffering because he was behaving as a human being. He never behaved as God, but as a human being. That is why he was suffering this pain that any one of us may suffer. Verse 16, Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies, and do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. All of these things we have read, some parts of it, in the gospel. When the Lord was crucified, when he said he was thirsty, they gave him gall and made him drink vinegar in order to quench his thirst. In verse 22, let their table become a snare before them and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Here the Lord is asking for justice, that there may be justice because they were persecuting the righteous one. And just as they persecuted the righteous one, we also, those of us who consider ourselves to be righteous, the enemy that we have also persecutes us in one way or another by using any circumstance in life to persecute us. 
So we are going to suffer and we tell the Lord, Lord, in your hands, I leave all of these things so that you may give justice and that you may stand up for us. And in verse 26, for they persecute the ones you have struck and talk of the grief of those you have wounded, add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. How sad is this punishment for those who are unbelievers? That they may be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull which has horns and hooves. The humble shall see this and be glad, and you who seek God, your hearts shall live. For the Lord hears the poor and does not despise his prisoners. Blessed is the Lord. Prisoners of the devil, right? Of the enemy. Verse 34. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion which is his church, glory be to God, and build the cities of Judah, which is the church as well, that they may dwell there and possess it. In other words, the believers will enjoy being named by God as the church of the Lord. So that is why it says here that they will possess a title, a new name that God promised his followers, those who love him with all their heart. And it says also the descendants of his servants shall inherit it. And those who love his name shall dwell in that church or will belong to that people called the people of God. This is the word of the Lord in Psalm 69. We give the honor and the glory to our God. And now we are going to begin with questions. I do not know if they have informed you that today there was a Bible study. So I believe you have brought your questions. Sister, good evening. Welcome to the church in Hialeah. Truly, it brings us great joy and happiness within our heart to have your presence here with us. Sister, I have in this evening two questions based on the Bible. My first question is in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 27, verse number 22. Proverbs 27, verse 22? 22, yes. yes, sister. Yes, brother. Married. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, Yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Sister Maria Luisa, constantly in the sermons that the Holy Spirit gives us through your lips, he admonishes us to leave our foolishness so that we can leave behind our spiritual poverty. How can we awaken and open our eyes to recognize when we act or think or behave foolishly and how can we leave behind that foolishness which we read here to be so difficult to leave behind with the purpose of growing and advancing in our spiritual life system well i think that first we ought to define what does foolishness mean what does it mean to be foolish what does it mean to be foolish for you 
a person who is stubborn, self-willed, self-indulgent, headstrong, evil-minded, immature, foolish, rude. They do not allow themselves to be taught. They do not want to change. They speak foolishness. They think foolishness. They behave foolishly. That is a foolish person. When we come to the way or the path of the Lord, when we begin to listen to the word of God and we read the Bible, I think that the first thing he removes from our being is foolishness. We begin to be rational or to be of sound mind, to think with wisdom, to be calm. We begin to behave in this way because God teaches us, or at least God changes us and removes spirits of foolishness that we may have. The brother asks if foolishness, what does it entail? Or The verse reads that it's very difficult for that foolishness to course, depart from him. It is difficult for a human being to change another human being. That is difficult. And so... It's saying that one human being to change another is impossible. They cannot change. The person may teach them, do not do this, do not think, do not say. But the foolish person continues to be foolish because if they are proud, aside from being foolish, they will say, who are you to tell me what to do? I'm not going to do what you're saying. That is foolishness. Who changes? Who removes foolishness? Our God. Our God. Here, the author of the proverb was completely right. He says, you waste time if you begin to try to teach the foolish to be rational, to be sound-minded, to be calm, to be well-mannered. You waste your time. They are not going to change. And people in daily life not speaking about the church, but people in the world in their daily lives. That is what is lived. That is what we see. No one can change another person. No one can change anyone. Although there are different advice and there is psychology, sociology to come and work with a person to try to correct the person with good manners and to do this or do that. They do it, but they don't change. They continue to be the same. And the proverb is like a philosophy that reasons and says, this is what the world is like. This is the life of the people who live in the world, who do not change. And they live this way. They do not change. That is what the author of the proverb wanted to imply. But he doesn't give a solution. No, he does not give a solution. He just tells about what happens in the world. And we know that all that happens in the world, and we lived it, and we were this way, but we have changed. And that God is the one who changes. That is our conclusion. God is the one who changes. Let us continue. The brother said two questions, right? Yes, sister. My second question, sister, is found in the book of Romans, chapter number one. And it's also based on chorus number 95. But before asking it, sister, I want to highlight that when I first came to the church, 
the thing that I loved the most, what I found most beautiful was that there was a hymnal in the in the church. And truly, I love to sing. And it filled me with a lot of joy. And it was a great motivation to continue coming to church. And nowadays, sister, the choruses that the church has published on the YouTube channel of the church, they're very beautiful where you sing and where you sing live. We feel the presence of the Lord. And I've cried out of joy singing the choruses and feeling the presence of God. Thank you, sister, for being that great motivation for us to continue praising and glorifying our God. You said Romans 1? Romans 1, verses 13 and 14. Yes. I read, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. And in chorus number 95, it, it states something very similar. I read, to the souls that are lost, I am debtor to those souls that are lost. Sleepless nights for them I spend now, here I am, Lord, at your beck and call. Sister Maria Luisa, in the context of this chorus and according to the passage that we just read, I wanted to understand a bit more depth. What does it mean for us to be those debtors and how can we repay that debt to the Lord? Very well. Let us read verse 13 once again. Paul says, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you in Rome to pray over you, to lay hands, to work, to give prophecy so that the Lord may manifest himself. So what was he going to do? He was going to visit a church to evangelize, to talk to newcomers, to give testimony of God's word. And the Lord immediately would begin to work miracles and wonders. That is what would happen and should happen and does happen. So the apostle says, I often plan to come to you, but was hindered until now. I have not been able to, he says, that I might have some fruit among you also. So the place where he would go to preach, he wanted them to receive the word, the teaching, and that they may also go and work and serve God to win over souls for God. That was the fruit that the apostle wanted to receive also from the hearers. And since he was not able to because he was hindered, surely the enemy placed many obstacles and distraction for him not to be able to travel. So that is why he said that he wanted to preach to the Gentiles, to the wise, to whomever it was to speak to them, that was the work that God had entrusted upon him and he had to do it, but couldn't. And so he said, since I have not been able to, I am a debtor. I feel in debt with God. Lord, I am indebted to you because I have not been able to go do the work that you have entrusted upon me. And so that is why the chorus that we sing that says to the souls that are lost, I am a debtor. Indeed, we ought to speak to those people who still have not come to know God. And we need to speak to them and testify to them 
in one way or another to make it so that they know the way of the Lord. And if we cannot do it, then we are debtors. We are debtors. That is the debt. So that is why we want to learn doctrine, read the Bible, and prepare ourselves to be able to confront and to take on this duty that God has entrusted upon us because this duty is for all of us. Maybe you say, no, the sisters might say, I am a housewife, I have my job, or the brother might say, I have my business, I have my job, I have my duties, my responsibilities with my family. I cannot think about having to one day preach or winning over a soul for God. Yes, all have that duty and responsibility because it is not just by being up here on a pulpit, but wherever you are from your home, at your job, at school or whatever place you are in, there you ought to win over a soul for God. And there you ought to be prepared with doctrine. Because people will ask you, tell me, how is this? What does this consist of? What does this mean? Why this? Why that? And if you do not know doctrine, then you won't know how to answer people and no one is going to pay attention or believe you. Therefore, you continue to be a debtor. Therefore, it is important for us all to be workers of that vineyard of the Lord and that we may win over souls for God one way or another. He who works at a hospital, they can win over a soul, whether it be someone who is sick or maybe their colleagues at work, their nurses, anybody who is in that place. If it's in an office or a restaurant, in all places, we have people there to rescue With our testimony, I'm going to give an example and by speaking to people about God at the right time. And so we are debtors. We are debtors and we ought to prepare ourselves and prepare our hearts to do that work, that evangelizing work. One person to speak to another, invite them to come and to know God. Very well, brother. And so let us continue. Sister Marie Luisa, once again, welcome to the church in Hialeah. I would like to read with your permission in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, starting in verse number 25. Ecclesiastes 7, 725. Yes, brother. Yes, sister. It reads, I applied my heart to know, to search and seek out wisdom and the reason of things to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Sister Maria Luisa, if you could please go a bit more in depth regarding the sin of foolishness, Considering that even the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark 7.22 mentions foolishness when he speaks of those sins that come from the heart and can contaminate mankind. Thank you very much, sister. Folly means to not have sense, to not have a sense of responsibility, 
to have the sense that we ought to obey God. We ought to please God. To be sensible and to do what is good and flee from what is bad. Because we ought to please God. Here, for example, it highlights the matter of women, which is also symbolic. In a certain way, he is speaking in a symbolic way using women. But here, if we want to tie this in with the teaching of temptation, right? Although temptation, men can be temptation for women, women can be temptation for men. But at that time in antiquity, there was, history tells us that there were harlot women, prostitutes, and they would always make men fall. And once it was discovered that he had been with a prostitute or a harlot, that was shameful. So much so that they had to take their life and stone them to death because that was an offense in the law of Moses. That was prohibited that a man would commit adultery or fornication. It was forbidden for a man to go to a harlot or a prostitute. It was forbidden. And if he was found in those conditions, then they had a very great penalty to face. So the author of the psalm, when they were taken over by the Spirit of God and he began to reveal what they had to do in life or how to behave in their daily life, he gave that example. The example of falling and being with a harlot, a woman that comes to flatter him and makes him fall in the trap. This man loses his blessings because at that time, even their inheritance was lost. His parents would reject him or they would even send for someone to take their life because they were bad children that were committing sin. That was in the law of Moses. Although the people of Israel were surrounded by many foreign nations where they had the freedom to commit all types of sins and there were no laws for them. The people of Israel could not do these things. Therefore, for them, it was difficult to find themselves in a society, in a culture where for them, this was forbidden. It was hard for them at that time to fall in that trap of sin. They weren't fearful of committing the sin because they were displeasing God. It was more because they were displeasing their family, losing inheritance, and surely receiving different punishments. That was men's biggest fear of committing that sin. That is why it says that he was foolish. Because he did not sit and reflect upon what God says to stop doing, to turn away from, to keep from, to not do this, to not do that. Since he did not have that sense in their being to obey or please the Lord or fulfill the commandment, that is what he was calling folly. That he did not worry about himself, knowing that in the future he would be receiving many punishments. But we today, for example, if we are going to take these verses 
for our lives today, we are not going to say that we are foolish. Surely we were in the world when we lived the life of the world when we didn't know the way of God. When we know the way of God, then God begins to dwell with us, to give us a new mindset, to give us a different concept about life, about things. And so we cannot say that we are foolish. Because the person who says that they are foolish, it is because they have not understood the way of the Lord and have not converted to God. But in the world, we see much folly in people. And that is what we see. And on the news, we see this every day. The product of folly. But thanks be to God today in this way that we know, the Lord is helping us and has taught us the righteous way. He has taught us what is good, what is bad, what is and what is not. And this helps us to teach others. When people in the world are sorrowful and they seek us to complain about the suffering that they've gone through, they say, look at what happened to me. Look at what happened to my family. Look at all these catastrophes and all of these things. Then we take that opportunity to talk and to say, do not be foolish. Think, analyze. God exists. And I go to a church where God manifests himself. Do you want to be happy? Leave your folly. Change the way that you think and accept happiness, accept peace, accept what I am telling you, this invitation that I'm giving you so that you may enjoy of peace and something wonderful that I live. So there is where that problem ends. Because God is the one who truly does everything in our lives. And all of these are tools that we have in order to evangelize and to talk to someone about God. Let us continue. I don't know if there is another question. Yes. Sister Mary Luisa, welcome to the Church in Hialeah. We are all very happy and joyful to have you here with us in this wonderful evening. Sister, I have a question based on the Bible. It's in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. You may read, brother. Proverbs 10, 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And also, sister, in Hebrews, in chapter 13, verse number 5. Yes, read. It reads, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sister Maria Luisa, Based on the verses that I just read in Proverbs and Hebrews, could you please clarify the difference between contentment and conformism? And what's that point, sister, where we have a balance between contentment and for us to not have conformity in our spiritual and material lives? Thank you very much for your answer, sister. Okay, that we must not settle in our spiritual life, but that we may always want the spiritual gifts, that we may always want perfection. Very well. But here, when it talks about a slack hand, it's talking about a person who is lazy, who does not want to progress in life, who does not want to work, who does not want to move and do things and act upon things to live, to live a better life, to want better things, to want to enjoy, perhaps. So 
they are overcome with laziness because the opposite of who's lazy is he who is diligent, who acts, analyzes, thinking, what should I do? What should I make? I don't have a job, but in the meanwhile, as I look for a job, I'm going to do something, but I'm not going to die of hunger, nor is my family going to lack anything. Be diligent, active, to always be aware. The other person would be overcome with laziness and sit idly by, and poverty and scarcity comes to them. Very well, so the brother also asks about settling and what else? And contentment, sister. And being content. But what does it mean to be content? What are you referring to with the word content? Yes, sister, let's say that there's a person and this person is happy and joyful with all the blessings that God gives them. For this person to be very grateful with everything that God gives them, be it little or much, and for them to always have the desire to serve the Lord and to do things for God, but for them to always continue advancing in their spiritual lives. Let's say for them to not be conformists, for them to not be be in that point of... Exactly, to not be stagnant, but rather for them to continue pressing on serving the Lord and doing all things for God, happy and joyful, but with that desire to continue prospering well, and growing in their the spiritual, spiritual life. spiritual life, which is different from what it says here in Proverbs, here it is talking about material things, he who is diligent, but in our spiritual lives, each day we ought to progress because that is what the Bible says. The Bible says we ought to be as the light of day, just as dawn, which is when the sun begins to shine upon the earth in the morning and darkness begins to fade and little by little it gets lighter and lighter. And that is what dawn is, the light of dawn. And our spiritual life ought to be this way, like the break of dawn where we begin to grow and progress little by little until it is completely light, until we are perfect because we ought to attain perfection. We ought to have full love, perfect. We ought to live that life of love, which is simply to not commit sin, that each one of us may be capable of stopping our flesh our appetite, our desires, and that we may not give free reign to any weakness, foolishness, whims, any of these things, that we may be able to break ourselves and to reach that perfection that God wants for us, and we are going to attain it with his help. So logically, if we live that life of progress, then we are not going to be stagnant, nor are we going to settle Because we always want something more. I want something more. I want more. I want something more. I want for the Lord to use me to do other beautiful things. Our Lord Jesus said that we would do greater things and we ought to do those greater things. Therefore, there is no settling. There is that desire to progress just as the break of dawn that continues to progress. We also progress in our spiritual lives and not that God just uses us for working miracles and healing, but that the Lord may help us to live a holy life that he wants us to live, that righteous life before him. Therefore, we ought to fight for all of these things 
so that we may become like our Lord Jesus Christ. He says that he lived like a human being. He was a perfect man and he wants for us to also measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Very well, let us continue. Good evening, Sister Maria Luisa. May God continue blessing you. You are a great example of a true queen. Always. I love you very dearly in the Lord. May I testify? It's a very short testimony, sister. When I first came to the church 14 years ago, I didn't speak any bit of Spanish. God, in prophecy, told me, you will speak Spanish as you speak English. This has been fulfilled. This was fulfilled through the hymns and the choruses. I love your voice. Glory to our God. Thanks be to the Lord. That is to progress. That is to progress in life. I want to share something very special, something very specific. One day, the Lord told me in prophecy, you always want to hear my beloved servant directly. Well, I have a surprise for you. The following day, I went to the Bible study. My receiver didn't work. When I hear your voice, I understood perfectly everything, the entire Bible study. Glory to our God. It was a great surprise for me. Well, that makes me very happy. Glory to the Lord. Thanks be to God. The miracle that God has worked in your life to allow you to learn Spanish. I have a question based on the Bible. In... Hosea chapter number 10, verse number 1. Hosea 10, 1. Hosea comes after Daniel. Yes, brother, yes. Israel empties his vine. But in Spanish it reads, Israel is a lush vine. Is, yes. This is completely different. What is the correct version? You would need to continue reading the verse in English. What does it say? Because later on it explains. Because here it says, Israel is a luxuriant vine bearing fruit for itself. So in English, what does it say? Does it bear fruit or it doesn't? It reads, Israel empties his vine. And what vine. else does it say? After what does it say? In English, he brings forth fruit for himself. Oh, he brings forth fruit for himself. Yes. 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 So it's the same. Yes. So it's the same. Yes. Perhaps when it says that Israel empties his vine, in a way, A vine that is filled with fruit, the workers come and they empty it and they take all of that fruit. So it's the same. It means the same. When it says that it is a luxuriant vine, meaning that it bears many fruits, but then they are picked up. And in English, it says that it is a vine that is emptied, 
It's the same thing. The workers come and they take all of that fruit and the vine is empty. Yes. Very well. Let us continue. Good evening, sister. May God bless you. Welcome to the church in Hialeah. What a great blessing. What a great joy it is for us to have you here visiting us in this evening. Sister, I have a question in Hebrews chapter number 12 in verse number 6 and verse number 11. You said Hebrews 12, right? Chapter 12, verse number 6 and 11. Yes, brother, I'm going yes. to read. Verse number 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Sister, if you could please explain to me, how can we attain that peaceable fruit of righteousness, having been chastened by the Lord, and not faint or fall back when we are trained in it? So Thank you very much, Sister. May God bless you. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives, implying that we in life, while we are alive in this world, we may be children of God and enjoying the spiritual gifts and God's promises. And if someone, if one of us commit a sin, and not a little sin, as people used to say. People say, that's a little sin. No. To commit a sin and to live a sinful life, then God comes and chastens that person. He chastens them while they are alive. Maybe he allows for an illness to come, a tribulation, a need, or a family member also. The person that they most love may become ill. God knows how he chastens this believer that failed him. And so, in verse 11, when he says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful, of course. Who is going to be joyful with perhaps an illness or a need or bitterness or persecution or kidnapping, no one is going to be happy because of this. But then the person analyzes and says, I have failed God and I am paying for what I did. And I have to. It is better that God does this now while I'm alive than me losing my soul in eternity. And so he says that the person begins to have that strength because God gives strength so that with this punishment, Although it produces sadness, afterward, it bears fruit because the person acknowledges their mistake, they acknowledge their sin, and they repent, and they ask God for forgiveness. And so they bear a fruit because there is repentance that comes with it. And so God has mercy, and he overlooks and says, press on, but after he had chastened them. So this shows that God helps us because we love him and we withstand and we bear that chastening that God can give us for doing something wrong and we bear it for the love that we have for God. And this way, 
he overlooks what happened. In life, in my experience, that I have been with the Lord and everything that God has promised and spoken to people, I have seen people who have obeyed God, others being in God's way, they did wrongful things. They failed at some point in their life. And I knew all of these things. And I started to follow up and seeing what happened to these people. And I realized through time, God punished them. He punished everyone in different ways. He punished them and the people acknowledged this. They said, I am living this because I have failed God. And they acknowledged this. They repented and they pressed on, but they received that chastening from God. I have seen all of these things, and these things have served as an example in my life to be careful and to know where I am walking and where I'm going so that the devil may not come to steal our blessings and steal our peace. And for the devil to make us fall in temptation and in the trap, and thanks be to the Lord for his mercy. Thank him for his mercy because he chastens, because he says that the son that he loves, he chastens when he does something wrong. Let us continue. Good evening, sister. It's a pleasure to be here. I come from the church in Iquito, Ecuador. We wait you there. Thank you, sister. Sister, may I share a testimony? It's very short. When I was eight years old, the doctors detected a problem in my heart, which required surgery. And I didn't have the money, and I was also very afraid. I prayed to the Lord, and one evening I knelt down, and I told the Lord, Lord, allow it for it to be you healing me, for it to be you delivering me from this illness. When I went to church, the Lord spoke to me through prophecy and told me, and I saw how you knelt down and prayed to me. I, you will see the miracle that I will work in your life. That, that night, I had a dream where I was laying down in a bed in a surgery in an operating room, and you came in and you told me, brother, I'm going to perform the surgery. Don't worry. And I saw how you performed the surgery, and I even felt the pain when I woke up. I looked at myself in the mirror and I had a small scar there. I went to the doctor and the doctors told me, you are completely healed. Thanks be to our God. The following week, something even more beautiful happened because the Lord allowed me to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. That was a full blessing. And thanks to that, well, the Lord protected my life from the world. He never allowed me to know of the world. And thanks to that, since I was 17, I'm currently 21. Since I was 17, the Lord allowed me to serve him, to serve That's him with great. spiritual gifts. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. Sister, since I was a kid, I had a question. It's in 2 Kings chapter number 22. Verse number 1 and 2. Yes, you may read. 
Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. I understood that when it reads that he did what was right before the eyes of the Lord, he did not commit idolatry, that he was not idolatrous, that he sent to destroy everything that was idolatrous in, in the, throughout the people. My question is, sister, what happened to those kings who did what was right before the eyes of the Lord after they what completed their mean? reign? What was the blessing that God gave them once they completed oh, their reign? Well, I think that the Bible doesn't say this, but I suppose God had a very special place for them after death. They had a special place because when God says that they did what was right in the sight of the Lord, it means that they weren't idolaters. They didn't do all of those things that the people or the kings would do at that time or by opposing God. They would not partake of these things as Josiah did, where Josiah did so many good things because he found the book of the law and he started to order that they had to fulfill with Passover and everything that was in the law. And so aside from blessing them and prospering in their lives, giving them victory in battles as well, after death, they also had a special place. Yes. Well, and I'm happy for you because you're going to be a great servant of the Lord. Good evening, Sister Marie Luisa. The church in Hialeah is extremely honored to have you here with us. I'm going to read a short passage in 1 Kings, in chapter number 4, verse number 29. Yes. 1 Kings 4, yes, 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Sister Maria Luisa, we see how in this verse, it names three virtues that God gave Solomon. Wisdom, understanding, and largeness of heart. In various occasions, sisters, you have explained to us the wisdom that God gave King Solomon. We can understand what that wisdom and understanding is, but if, sister, you could explain to us this other virtue, largeness of heart, how was it manifested in the King Solomon? Thank you very much, sister, and may God continue to bless you. I think that the largeness of heart, when he says that he gave him wisdom, exceedingly great understanding, he also gave him a very large heart so that he could take in his people, all different situations, anomalies, everything that was seen in the people. But he also had a good heart, noble, righteous, kind, generous. Because there are people who are not generous. They do not give. They do not have mercy. They see that people suffer and they do not give them bread because their hearts are closed. They're small. And so God gave Solomon 
that large heart to be righteous, to act with righteousness because he had to be a judge as well. So that is what that largeness of heart means for Solomon. So that Solomon wouldn't become greedy, but to look with eyes of mercy and to help and be generous to the people and whatever they needed. For example, we have when those two women went to him and they both said that the child is mine, he is my son, and he then did not want. He felt that pain. He felt the pain of the real mother because his heart was like that, where he felt the pain of the real mother. And so God gave him the wisdom at that moment, how to judge, how to say, no, we have to divide the child in two so that each one has one half of the child. And so God shows him and says the real mother is going to say no to give it to the other, but to keep him alive because that is the true mother. And so that was his heart to do things right so that people would be happy, so that people, that is why so many people would come to see him and would listen to his wisdom. We read Proverbs, we read Ecclesiastes, we read Song of Solomon, and all of these were written by Solomon because God was with him. And so what do we see in those Proverbs, everything that he would observe in life, people's daily lives, the good and bad in people, what would happen, what needed to happen. And he never gave a solution. He never gave solutions. He simply said what human beings do. A foolish human being does this. A wise person does this. A prudent person does this and that. This is what he would show the world, the reality that people would live. And so he had a large heart. He had that largeness of heart in that sense, not only in knowledge, but also in the way that he would behave toward the people. And prudence, well, we know that being prudent means to not take things lightly, to rush to speak. We ought to think before we speak. We ought to think before we act. We ought to think before making decisions and analyze them well and to not take things lightly where we will have difficulties and problems later on. Because if someone is careless, with a carelessness, we can make a bad business decision or we can offend someone or with carelessness, we can destroy someone's spiritual life. So we ought to analyze, think, and reason before we take any action, before speaking. That is what prudence is. Prudence entails many things. And among them, that is the main thing to analyze before speaking. Do not rush to make any decisions. Analyze the consequences. Analyze what the consequences will be later on. That is prudence. And God gave this to Solomon. And God wants for us today in his way to give us all of those virtues and qualities. And the Lord wants to give all of these things those are the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to give us those qualities, those virtues, that we may have prudence, wisdom, knowledge, that love, that mercy, 
that generosity, all of these things, God today gives this to us as well. So today it is not only for a king, just as at the time of Solomon, where he was the only one who was given all of these abilities, but today the Lord gives it to all of us. He says, all of you have a right to receive this. Thank you, Lord, that he may give us all of these beautiful and wonderful things because these are the things that the world admires of us. Very well, let us continue. Sister Maria Lisa, I am thrilled to be able to speak to you today. This is a gift from God that you are visiting us here in the Church of Hialeah. Welcome, sister. We love you with all of our hearts. I would like to read first in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 32. Ezekiel what, sister? Chapter 33, verse 32. Yes. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Sister Maria Luisa, here in the Church of the Lord, we know that we have a prophetess among us, and that is you, sister. One who has a pleasant voice and sings beautifully. Sings beautifully because you do it with all of your heart for the Lord. Thank you for the hymns and choruses because through them you fill us with that love of God. But contrary to what happened in that time, we do want to put into practice all that you teach us, that God teaches us through you because we know that is the best way to demonstrate our love towards you. Thank you. Thank you, sister. But I would like to clarify something because the sister is saying that there is only one prophetess in the church. And no, there are many. There are many prophetesses and there are many prophets. You see, there are many prophetesses in the church worldwide and there are many prophets as well. The only thing is that we are not going to give names because we are not here to be given the best places or best seats, but for God to use us so that people may say, God uses sister so-and-so, God uses Mr. So-and-so. That is what we want. And so, to me, when my husband, Luis Moreno, died, the Lord told me, take the reins of the church. He said, take the reins of the church, which is very different from being the only prophetess. He said, take the reins of the church. Logically, to take the reins, it means that it's one person who God is going to support in order to lead, in order to lead spiritually. But in the church, there are prophets and there are prophetesses. So do not be discouraged, brothers and sisters. And... Another thing, the Lord also many years ago told me, read the Bible because I'm going to teach you doctrine. He promised me this, and I believe what I am doing now is living God's promises. And so he reveals doctrine to me when I read the Bible, when I am in the congregation, when people ask me questions, or when I need to give a sermon about a chapter, the Lord is giving me the revelation there and he is teaching me. Very well. So I would say, well, 
I'm a teacher of the word of the Lord. But I want to tell you that the church, there is not just one teacher. There are going to be many teachers. And they are emerging. They are already emerging. I am here working with what God has given me that is different. But the day will come where it will be your turn to work what God has promised and given you. Yes, sister. My question is in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 30. Yes, sister. Read, read. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Sister Maria Luisa, although you have taught us that this woman that these verses make reference to is the church of the Lord, I would like to ask my question regarding the physical appearance of a person. For example, sister, if a woman is self-conscious about her appearance, could this be displeasing for God? And how can we manage this so that it does not tie us down, causing sadness, depression, or low self-esteem? Keeping in mind that society has its own standards of beauty, and we sadly see how nowadays many young people end up taking their own lives because they feel they do not meet these standards of beauty. Thank you, sister, for your answer. Young people or young women, young men, men and women who have those complexes, who see all of their flaws and they are not content with how they look physically and they know the way of God, then God will deliver them. God will remove that complex. God will take away all of those things. The person will dedicate themselves and they say, I'm going to serve God because God is first. And so God begins to make that person beautiful. I think that God beautifies people because the spiritual life is reflected on people's physical appearance. So God begins to make those changes. If we talk about the people of the world, well, you always hear people saying things. There are people who have low self-esteem. They are discontent. They do not like how they look. They were born with so many physical flaws. And God also gave science to human beings, knowledge and surgery God has given all of these things because he knew how human beings would be all of the discontent and God prepared all of these things so that people may enjoy of many things in life. Those who have money will do it. Those who don't have money will not do it. But God either way put all of these tools in the world so that people wouldn't complain so much about the Lord so that people wouldn't say that God did everything incomplete. No, God is perfect and he made everything. And so in the church, there may be young people. I have known young people, people of the church who have low self-esteem and they are evil spirits that come and possess them to make them think this way. And well, I've had to pray and lay hands over them and advise them and to ask God so that the person may be delivered from that type of mindset, that type of complex so that they could be happy. And we also have the help of our God. And in the world, people who have money, they have the help of doctors. Let us continue. And within the church, of course, there are people who want, they can go to the doctor. Very well. Sister Marie Luisa, good evening. May God bless you. We wish for God to continue to bless you 
for God to continue giving you great health and strength and, and to extend your years so that you can continue to teach us, sister. Sister, I have a question in the book of Daniel, chapter number 6, verse number 16. Book of Daniel, chapter number 6, verse number 16. Yes, brother. The passage reads to give the honor and glory to the Lord. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Sister, could you please teach us with your wisdom and explain to us, if Daniel was captive in Babylon, there was no temple to minister to the Lord. How did Daniel serve the Lord continually? And how did he offer sacrifices to the Lord if the temple was already destroyed? May God bless you greatly, sister. He served God by praying to God every day. He prayed to the Lord. He would kneel and he would pray to God. And surely he would sing to the Lord as well. And he read the scriptures. I believe that he would have had access to certain scrolls that belonged to to the book of Moses, to the law. And if he didn't, in his prayers and his songs for God, this is the way that he would serve the Lord. And how else would he serve the Lord? By keeping his dignity and not becoming an idolater, not thinking about other gods and doing what everyone else would do and believe in those other gods. But he thought in God, he worshiped God always and acknowledging God in this way, he would serve God. That is why they accused him, saying that all he did was pray to his God. And so they created a decree where everyone had to kneel before a statue. And since Daniel did not do it, that is why they brought him to the lion's den. Daniel was the one who went to the lion's den. And to the fiery furnace was where his friends went. So he served God in that way by praying and worshiping God always. Good evening, evening, sister. Now that we've learned about largeness of heart, we give thanks to our God for your heart. Because through the Mary Luisa de Moreno International Foundation, many families, at least in my country in Venezuela, of low income have have received much help. And through the movement... And through the movement Mira in Spain, many people who have been ill with cancer have had their treatment completely paid for. May the honor and glory be for our God. Sister, if you would allow me, I have a question based on the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Yes, brother. You may read. Thank you, sister. Verse number 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Verse number 14. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Sister, if you could please, the Apostle Paul makes a reference with the expression, that good thing which was committed to you. How can we keep it? You read from verse 12? Yes, sister. It says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. What was he suffering? It says, Well, he was 
appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I suffer many persecution, tribulations. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. He was steadfast in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am sure that he is powerful and he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So that which he had committed was himself, his belief. He considered himself to be that which he has committed, meaning things that are kept safe or archived. So it was himself. So he was saying that God was going to keep him for the day of the Lord, that he would be saved. That is what he's referring to. And so he says, hold fast the pattern of sound words. He was saying this to Timothy, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. He is saying that good thing, which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. He is speaking about himself to be holy. He was talking about that which was committed, meaning his body, his mind, everything. Very well, brothers and sisters. Thank you very much. We are going to be praying. We are going to pray and give thanks to the Lord. And we know that we know that the Lord begins to work miracles from the beginning of the Bible study. From the beginning of the service and sermon, God begins to work miracles in people. So in this moment, we are going to pray to God, give him thanks. And you also, with your petitions, with your wishes, your illnesses, and then ask God for all of these things according to your need to set these things before the Lord and he will work the miracle in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. Holy Father, glorious Lord, powerful Lord, eternal God, creator of the heavens and the earth, our God, our King. You are the Holy One of Israel, the powerful one that lives forever and ever. You are the righteous one, the merciful one. You are great, my Lord. You are worthy of all the worship you are worthy of the glory and the honor because all human being will come to you and humble themselves before you. They will ask for forgiveness. They will worship your name. They will magnify you. They will glorify you because you are worthy. All human being will come to you and acknowledge that you are our powerful God, that there is no other God like you. You are the only one. Powerful Lord the worship, the honor. We praise you. We bless you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for having patience with us, for tolerating many things in our lives. Lord, help us, Holy Father. Extend your powerful hand upon us. Extend your powerful hand upon each one of the brothers and sisters. And children of all ages, extend your powerful hand. Give them happiness. Give them joy. Give them virtues and qualities, spiritual blessings. Fill each person with the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, give them power. Give them strength and encouragement. Give them joy and happiness. 
heal their body, heal their physical bodies. Spiritual healing as well. Lord, rebuke witchcraft, rebuke sorcery, rebuke curses, rebuke evil spirits that come to torment some of the brothers and sisters or the children. Destroy all work of the wicked one, all curses, break spiritual bonds. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to address you, how to present ourselves before your presence. Teach us, Heavenly Father. You give us the joy that is in our hearts and that the Holy Spirit may come to rule over our hearts. Allow these things, O Lord. They are your marvelous promises, blessed Lord, blessed God. Extend your healing hand upon those who are sick. And also, Lord, listen to the petitions, to the needs and wants of their hearts. Look at the promises that you have made them. You have made them many that have not been fulfilled yet, keeping everyone and blessing each one, extending your powerful hand, laying hands on each person, giving spiritual material blessings, Thank you, Holy Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. We worship you, we praise you, we give you the honor, the glory, the worship, the kingdom, the glory, and the power is yours. Thank you, Lord. Praise be your name. Chorus 80, Chorus 80. Alabada Jehová, naciones todas, pueblos todos, alabadle, porque sobre nosotros tu misericordia y la verdad de Jehová es para nosotros aleluya y la verdad de Jehová aleluya es para siempre amén alabada Jehová Naciones todas, pueblos todos, alabadle, porque ha engrandecido sobre nosotros su misericordia y la verdad de Jehová es para nosotros, aleluya, amén, y la verdad. Glory to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks be to our God. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy and joyful to have been here with you this evening. May my Lord bless you all greatly. I love you with all of my heart. Thank you.